Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. Earlier this month, I flew out to California for a clinic at Aponamind in Paso Robles, which, for those who don't know, is gorgeous wine country. Aponamind is a company that makes both Metron Mind software and they also make the Apona shoe, which is a composite shoe that allows for a glue on option, a nail on option, and a combination of both. I have to say, the software is really cool. It uses artificial intelligence on radiographs to let you know if you took them correctly and to mark up angles, measure sole depth, etc. I had a great time and got a chance to sit down with Monique Craig, the founder, who clearly just cares so much about helping horses. So we've had a great time here at the Epona Mind Clinic so far, and we've looked at a bunch of different horses, we've listened to some lectures, we've done some therapeutic Epona shoe applications, and I've already learned so much. And we're with the the founder of Epona Mind, Monique Craig, and you from Epona Mind have developed the Metron Mind software and Epona shoes. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you've built here. Um, so if you wanted to start with your kind of journey into hoof care from graduating from college with an engineering and science and math background and how that shifted into horses. Well, it's a long story. I had the stallion that had the hoof problem and probably have naturally some kind of OCDM. I'm a, I'm a nerd. So I, I never thought in my life I would become a fire developed software for, for horses. I, I had a career in mind that was very different towards a PhD, uh, computation linguistics, and, and I was also ha- having a degree in art. So I, you know, always been a little bit eclectic in, in my, my pursuit because I like to mix match a lot of things. I'm very curious and I've always been that way, but I never thought I would do that ever. But the love of my horse and the frustration brought me into a path that I, I, at first, actually, I was reluctant to go into it. I said, oh, I'll fix the horse in two, two months, two years, maybe a year, and then we're done and we're finished. And I go back to, to school and do what I want to do. And it went two years, three years, five years, and you know, it turned into something very, very personal. So it started in 1992, and then it kind of developed into a product by 1998 when we really started with my husband, I'm not just me, uh, designing software just for keeping track of feet because it was so annoying. People would say, well, it's too high, too low, too this, too that. No one had categoric way of taking measurements. So being a nerd, I decided, well, we need to have some standard and categoric way because we're talking about you know, anyone's perception. So this is how it started. And we started with a, a company called Eponatech and then it keep morph- all the companies keep morphing themselves to a Pona mine. So first we had the software, and then, you know, I was already shoeing, and I didn't like what I have. I, the metal shoe, from having studied material science, made no sense, you know. And then I tried barefoot, where well, some horses didn't work. And then I tried composite shoes, were not mine, that I didn't like them. So I designed the shoes for, for me, for my horses, for me first. So that was like already 16 years ago. All right, so I came up with first the software, then the shoe, and then, you know, we started doing more research because as we kept so much records, you know, just records, we started le- seeing trends that made no sense that we see in literature. 
So I started doing research, and, I, and the more I took x-rays, the more I, I could see patterns. That's why we went to the polymer metric, which is, uh, we wrote a paper with other people, but it's in a veterinary journal. And I have other publication, you know, so uh, one on fonder, one on laminitis, you know. So we, we did all that, and then we decided to do more research. And also we started uh, being visiting scholars at uh, Cal Poly since 2006, so we're giving classes, just introduction classes to shoeing, but not just shoeing, it's, it's all about mechanics and biomaterials and all the things that is missing. And Dr. Mattbird, every time he introduces us to his class, would say that's the first time and the last time you're going to hear about that because it's not taught in, in veterinary school. And you have to realize my husband also has a PhD from Stanford in, in robotics, so he's, he's really very well versed in kinematics and all these things, so we'll go back to why we don't believe in straight past an axis. That's another story. So as a company morphed itself, we did more research, we did other things, and finally we mashed everything together because we had Epona Tech, Epona Shoe, Epona Institutes, and we kind of made Epona Mind because we're not centric to making shoes, we're not a shoemaker. Actually, we're not trying too hard to sell the shoes compared to other people. That's not what it's about, it's about the trim the research we have done, and taking categoric uh, measurements of what you do, all right? And passing science that, that is not ours, you know, the, the biomaterials or physics or, or mechanobiology, all those concepts are very important to be put into a, an information system like Epona Mind, so we're, we're into teaching people. But I don't, I'm not into starting a new trend. If anything, I've been at it a long time, and I, I don't like the the concept of guru, I'm probably say what Buddha say, if you see me, kill me, because you have to find your own truth, you know. What I give is mostly tools for people to solve problems, not to start new trends. And I think, and I might become a little philosophical here, but I think in the world we need more people that can think in terms of concept and synthesize the knowledge to solve problems. And when you want to be interdisciplinary, Everyone talk about interdisciplinary, but when it comes down, it's one group that has more power, decides, well, I'm going to bring some other people in my, in my vision of the world, but it's never linear where you try to work the concept together on the table at the same time. It doesn't mean like, for instance, you know, I'm not going to let um, a surgeon build a bridge, you know, or you, you kind of have to realize, well, if you're if you a veterinarian, I'm, obviously you bring concept, but I'm not going to let let uh, your dentist start cutting, cutting tendons or something. So, you know, but again, solving problem as a group, we might see side of, of, of uh, an issue you probably didn't think about because that's what the French call deformation professionnelle. It's, I don't know how we translate that, professional deformation. You know, you, you kind of end up having a tunnel vision, even if you're open-minded. So we need to learn to solve problem in groups, and that's what Epona Mine is all about, with the horse being centric to that, not us. All right, and we all have egos. I'm not saying I, I like being right. <laughs> My name is John Mackerman. I'm a farrier in Rio Grande, California. I have a pretty traditional background and training, and I've been working with Monique at Eponamind for about a year and a half. I would say that she has changed my approach to trimming a little bit in that there is better understanding of migrating soft tissues. And what I had traditionally been taught were my landmarks are not as solid as I had thought. And so it has allowed me to figure out some more difficult feet that were always difficult to shape and difficult to shoe because of distortions. I had been going for like a solid, even wall thickness 
and using the direction of my frog as the center and learning to locate the bone within the capsule with my hands has simplified those feet tremendously and has simplified the shoeing and the shaping and the fitting. I just wanted to take a minute to let everybody know that Epona's clinics actually offer options for continuing education credits for veterinarians and AAPF farriers and trimmers. Because of their software, there's a large emphasis on radiograph technique, quality, and reading, as well as assessing pathology in the foot and how to approach it. So here, what I've really liked is that we were getting this Epona Mind experience, kind of pulling together everything you were saying. And what makes your courses and your approach to education different than the other programs that are out there? Well, because of, of, of the interdisciplinary approach, for one thing, the research that is always ongoing, we, we continue doing research, okay? That's very important. And we're trying to bring people from outside that have different opinions, you know, I, I, I have speaker I might not agree completely with, but it's okay. I don't have that problem myself because it, it is really important to be stretched and not agree with people all the time and not making clans. That comes back to synergize knowledge and not be clannish because we need people to solve problems, you know, and everyone turns everything into a religion, not for the better. You know, so I, I think, again, problem solving for the sake of the horse is extremely important because a horse does not talk, doesn't have a voice, and we can do anything we, we perceive to the horse, but we don't know if it's right or wrong. You know, it took me 20 years to be comfortable after recording a lot of feet to say, well, that kind of work. I never felt comfortable till up now after looking at long-term case studies, which I have, you know, I'm putting together whenever I have time, but trying uh, but I think it's very important because I think you know even myself with my own stuff that I have noticed I, I, I doubt it you know you have to so you know if if you want to constantly say well that's the way to do it and it works this way or 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 do anything by numbers it's dangerous so I I like to kind of work that way yeah Absolutely. So you have this Metron Mind software where you're able to see images from horses all over the world. And can you talk a little bit about how that software has allowed you to conduct research and pull from a large body of animals? Well, it started first with Metron, you know, which is which was a Ponatech Metron. We didn't have the AI because that's just recent because before we didn't have computers that could handle that, okay? So the AI come two years ago, but we already, I, that's my background actually, it was a, a computation linguistic and AI, so I'm going back to do that now, maybe less showing, I think. Um, but I, I think it's, it's, it is very important because when you start measuring, just the basic measuring, you can see trends, but when you have big data, like 50,000, say DP or dorsal palmar radiographs or 200,000 lateral radiographs, you start seeing trends. And when you do AI, because the points are put a certain way because we're measuring, it is not you that perceive what you should measure. It's really a system that is more neutral. So you, ca you can start looking at trends that are very large data. I think AI is not going to replace humans but it's going to be an ama amazing tool to look at, at large data. And I think it's the same thing with disease because when you look at medicine, you know, you have a pool of 1,000 humans, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, if you have 30 million people in your data, you're going to see trends very differently. So you're going to solve problems very differently. And you're also going to be able to carter to the specific individual. 
because also it takes takes the guessing away. It it also give a chance because it it measure for you. In in our case, it does measure for you. Uh, you don't have to work as hard. So you 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 already have an instant uh, answer. Not not a diagnostic, but you know something you can relate to as a data. You know so. I think it's very, very important. I, I think I said that before, mechanobiology, AI, and microbiomes and stuff, the research is really, really important. It's going to change medicine, I think, quite a bit, and for the better. One part of the clinic I really enjoyed was listening to John Craig, Monique's husband, talk about some of the research they've done. It was really interesting seeing them use their software to watch for trends over thousands of radiographic images and thousands of horses. Yeah. And so looking at these trends, because you're talking about all these radiographs, you're using these trends to then apply your trim or your shoeing to the horse, right? right? And and one thing that I found really interesting was in your lecture, you're talking about mediolateral balance. And I noticed that you and John have a different way of assessing mediolateral balance. So can you discuss it since it's a little different than what I've learned in the past? Well, there, there's a lot to it because, of course, you know, you know, people have to understand no, nothing is symmetric, but there's a natural asymmetry in, in the limb. And, you know, the first pattern has quite serious asymmetries. It affects also where the collateral ligament tied to and everything. And the pedal bone, if you look at the solar view, it fits a three-parameter three ellipse. So nothing is symmetric, you know, that, that, that's first. You have to assess the asymmetry and understand that it affects soft tissue because you can see that on the bone, you have scar where actually the, the ligaments or a tendon attached, that, that you can find. That's why actually all the paleontologists have been capable of figuring out the horse went going from a three-toed horse to a one-toe. They can look at the scars in, in the bones to see how it evolved. So this is, obviously we're not doing paleontology, but uh, it's the same thing. You've got to understand that all this little scar you have in bones where it attach, you, you cannot think symmetry. It's not symmetric, so it affects also when you, you think in symmetry, it affects also the, the tension in tendon and other things. So yeah, we take that in consideration. And we're teaching also descriptive geometry because it, this is where I think trimming is a little more complicated because if, if you only look at the sole, yeah, you will find the edge of the pedal bone, you know, but the margin of the pedal bone, but you're not going to see how it fits in 3D. And since you have a twist, and there's mechanical reason why you have twists, because you don't want things to break in, in our system, because we have a certain gravity system. So, you know, and pegs are in general, from an engineering point of view, not very good if you have to do some, some tight turns with things that have a little bit an angle, you know. So nature has done something amazing. It, it's engineered itself quite well. So, um, you know, this is where we go with the asymmetry first. And then because we also look at a lot of x-rays, you know, we've seen how you can realign. That's what we have in the AI. When I take DPs, I have a method to, to align the machine. The machine will tell you, 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 you heard it, and it insults you. Say, like, more to the left, more, more to the, the lateral side, more to the medial side, you know. So it, takes, it tells you to retake the x-ray to get a better x-ray. So you have a standard that gets better. Okay, and we're, we're, we're continue publishing papers, you know, it's just a question sometimes it's hard for us when non-vets to come into the veterinary world, but I think our research is, is reasonably valid, it's not extreme, you know, so, and we like to question things, I mean, that's important, you know. One thing I found really interesting in the lectures at the clinic was a discussion of our obsession with bone alignment, specifically a straight hoof pastern axis. 
Really, the conclusion came down to, are we over-manipulating the feet we see so the bones appear perfectly aligned on radiographs? So since you're able to see these images of radiographs from all over the world, from horses in different environments and conditions being used in different ways and images from pre-purchase exams or all kinds of variations of of soundness and in work and not, um, what do you think of trimming or shoeing a horse to a straight hoof pastern alignment, which is so often taught? It is important to have the foot under the bony column to kind of have everything under that bony column. And that means the sole body, you know, the, the arch of the sole, all that, otherwise you will have tissue dis- distortion. So that's very important. When you eyeball something on the outside, it, it appears to be straight because you don't fit circles in the joints, which are a static way of looking at things, not dynamic. And when we started looking at trends, because we have x-rays from all over the world, we have thousands and thousands of x-rays from pre-purchase, in Australia, you know, thoroughbreds to thoroughbreds here to to quarter horses to everything. So we have also clinical cases, and um, it is very rare we see a straight phalangeal alignment. The only time we see that actually it's a clubfoot. So you know, and because we have the the palmer curve, for me, I look at the shape of the pedal bone and. You know, we also have a way to measure the navicular angle. So that, you know, again, if you jack up a foot to just get get really close up, you, you really have a huge, huge uh, navicular angle. Is that so good for the collateral ligament to the navicular bone? Not necessarily. And then you set a shoe to something that is looked at as being completely symmetric, and then you have a problem. Some ballpark view of what the foot is on the inside. But... Because of the, it's a ballpark, you should not start putting, you know, a, a total definite straight lines or something because it's something you want to see. So you, you do need to kind of start thinking asymmetry, thinking the individual foot, thinking also, you know, front to hind, you know, because you cannot jack up the front of a foot and then the, the, the horse is flat as a pancake in the hind. I'm not talking negative palmer angle, I'm just saying. So you... you you know, there's compensatory thing you're forcing the horse to do, and they will compensate because they're quadrupeds. And it's hard sometimes. That's why it's hard to figure out which leg sometimes is really the one that has problem unless you, you have obvious pathologies. And maybe the pathologies might not even be the problem, might be something else. So I, I think when you have huge data on the global sample we have, you, you see trends. And also there is physics. You know, there's reality why things are designed a certain way. And as I say, Dr. Hillary Clayton already showed that, you know, you could have very different way of loading while a horse is standing. So it, it doesn't mean x-rays are bad, but I think people need to move out from extreme or absolute. And when you start having absolute, that's where you have a danger. And it becomes also cliquish because everyone has, you know, their theory about, you know, I mean, some of those x-rays light up like a candle and then what are you trying to do, you know? So you need to kind of have a, have a protocol of what you're looking at. I assess whether the foot is under the, the bony column, is it not? Where is the heel to bulb distance? Um, how is the arch of the sole at that time? You know, you, you have to ask yourself questions. Another thing is, now I've seen that a lot because I do quite a few high-end dressage horses which are gated, and those young horses have so much movement in their shoulder all it takes, and I've taken x-rays of someone, if they're totally quiet, it's perfectly a normal primal angle. They move a little bit because they have so, such a long legs and the, the, the deep reflexor tendon is so loose 
that you could go from positive to negative very easily as soon as they shift. You know, I mean, they probably don't have the best digital cushion. That's, that's another conversation. But you can, you know, depending when you take your x-rays, you're going to read the foot very differently. So you got to kind of, myself, I like to take x-ray multiple times when things get corky. So I, I find an average. So I take two or three x-rays of a palmar uh, uh, lateral view to see where we are. And then I kind of take an average because it's kind of deceiving. Um, it doesn't mean you should not take it. I think x-rays are very useful. It's, it's, you know, but I don't think people should kind of make a theory out of things that we can't always control, you know? So here we're at this foundation clinic. We're getting, you know, the basics of what you are, are teaching through Opponent Mind. And can you talk a little bit about that and some of the other levels that you offer? Well, the, the foundation level is just to, to, to show you the general concept. But the, the first level, level one, we're really going to teach you physics minus math, descriptive geometry, all those things that hone, give you more concept and tangible concept, um, you know, functional anatomy, all that is basic, it's very basic. But just how also to use all those different concepts and using Metron correctly uh, and taking good x-rays and everything, all those, those concepts is to help you synthesize the knowledge and be a better problem solver. So again, it's not the guru club here. It's mostly like trying to help you think a little bit in a more broad way, you know, apply all those other aspects to solve problems. So it helps, it opens window, you know, that's kind of all I want to do because the more you open windows and you have more tools, the better for the horse. Because I love horses. My name is Ann Ramsey and I run an equine rehabilitation and therapeutic farriery business in Northern California. And Epona Mind has really helped me with the tools and the technology that they've created that benefits farriers and also veterinarians. But I've found that the, the software, the Metron hoof that they've created really helps me catalog and categorize both exterior photos of the hoof capsule and x-rays that are sent to me by the veterinarian. So it, it's giving me a computer program where I can really look at my work, really look at horse's hooves and the positive changes that are happening over time, and then share those observations with my clients and with the attending veterinarian. I think it's you know made me better, more, more critical of, of my own work and, and correct in my own work, and I think my horses have been better for it. The educational clinics and seminars that are put on at Epona Mind have really enhanced my knowledge, and I, I think what I like about their education is that they, they don't teach people a formula of hoof care. What they teach people is really how to be a nuanced thinker how to look at radiographs, how to take good radiographs. They really approach each horse as an individual, and I like that philosophy. The other thing they've done is they've created this incredible network of professionals from all over the United States and internationally as well, but we have wonderful speakers that come. They're like Mike Savaldi and Dr. Robert Bauker, uh, Diane Isbell, really too many people to name, but these people are out in the field producing real science, producing peer-reviewed research, 
And they're on the, the leading and the cutting edge of the research that's, that's influencing how we care for horses' feet. So I really value the education that they've created. It's, it's made me a better farrier. You know, in light of all this, what is your vision for hoof care going forward? I think hoof care practitioners should carry an x-ray machine, not for doing diagnostic. It, it should be sent directly to the practicing vet. So you have all the work done and categorized and, and measured. And then it's not like six months later, oh, something is wrong. You don't know what happened between day one to 80 days later, okay? And there should be rules. Of course, you can only do the foot or, you know, and, and it should be not just anyone. It should be someone that's trained that works on the vet, but that would be very helpful. You know, I want veterinarians to make more money because I teach, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a visiting scholar at Cal Poly, so I teach those pre-veterinarians. And it's gut-wrenching to see those people coming out of school with $250,000 of debts and then plus buying equipment. And the horse industry is very fickle. You don't solve the problem. You have your, your clients jumping around and it's often not your fault. Uh, lameness and, and hoof lameness is kind of the bread and butter for a lot of veterinarians because that's where it happens a lot besides colic and other things, you know. But it is very important that the veterinarian realize if you allow your farrier, not just any farrier, to become a, a licensed technician, that's what it is, and you have a better way to follow what's going on or your farrier or hoof care practitioner, I mean, barefooter job is done, you will solve the problem better. So it's not like you come six months later and say, oh, it wasn't lame, now he's lame, you can't figure it out because you know some of this stuff is complicated. And the, the, your client goes to someone else. So if you have a better team that is more educated, that has means to keep track of things, you actually, as a practicing veterinarian, will, will actually keep people in your fold. So my thing we should do is to have preventative hoof care with your veterinarian. They did a full assessment of everything, you know, movement, everything, saddle fit, all that, you know, as a, as a base. And then every time a farrier or a barefooter take, you know, work on a horse, that, that might be difficult, it keeps the x-rays, you know, maybe not so difficult to do it every three months, but the one that difficult or are more performance-based, you do it every time you shoe. But, and, and it goes in, in a file for the, for the veterinarian to look at, and you have pictures also, so you can really see what's going on, because I don't think you can see hoof care just from an x-ray without picture, and you do need to have some kind of a better dialogue between the farriers and the veterinarian, and not every farriers are gonna, ovet or, barefooters are going to do it, you know, it, it probably needs to be licensed and someone has to figure, the, 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 you know, the detail. But other than that, I think while we're, we're shooting in the dark, you can't always see what's going on and you need to take measurements, you know. So that way we learn trends, we do things, you know, and horses stay alive because the main thing, when horses don't function, they either put down or they're sent somewhere else and then you don't know where they end up, but they end up probably where you don't want them to end up. So it's, it's, it's alarming for the veterinarians because they do care. And I think back in their mind, you know, they're also dealing with losing clients. They know the horse is going to die somehow, you know. And I, I think a lot of vets are in this job to care about horses. No one would want to have that amount of debts if you didn't love horses. You know, there are other ways to make money that is much easier because it's a very hard job beyond the road. You know, it's not like being in a small animal clinic. It's a tough job. 
So I think everyone could be happier. And, the, you know, everyone that works on the horses, that, that makes their life easier. You know, some people would think that you're practicing medicine without a license, but no, you're not. You're just a, a nurse that takes x-rays for the, for, for, the, for the dentist or whoever, and it measures, and then you kind of have a, a data, and it gives you at least some guideline on soul depths, and then you can talk to your vet before you do anything. And now, as I say, we, we have, you can die consent so easily through your iPhone, through everything. There's no reason to not do that. You know, I mean, you have seen here what, what we do. I mean, I take multiple x-ray when I have a problem, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't charge. It's for us on research, blah, et cetera. But and I think that makes more sense. Financially, it makes more sense. It makes way more sense for the horse. And it helps also research because the large data should belong to everyone that wants to do research. Yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be great. Well, thank you so much for all your time and for this great clinic that you've put on and spending so much time with us and teaching us. And I hope that others would be able to come out to California and, and learn from you and, and work with the system and um, collaborate more. Yeah. So. My name is Lenora Pritchard, and I'm a barefoot trimmer in the Sierra Foothills, but I operate out of the Bay Area and pretty much anywhere between Sierra Foothills and San Francisco, and then to the West as well. I do Petaluma. So yeah, I actually, prior to, I guess about a year ago, I was mostly just doing barefoot trimming. and. I reached out to Ann Ramsey because I'd seen a lot of the work that she'd been doing and been posting online and her focus is lameness and rehabilitation and that's something that I really wanted to do and really wanted to focus on in my future. So I saw what she was doing which was using Epona shoes which I you know I had heard about but from what my understanding was around them is they were just another, another polyurethane shoe. But once I started working with Anne and seeing what she was doing, I was really impressed by, by the product. And so she invited me end of November. There was a weekend of education through Mind, And I went and got to see Dr. Bauker speak, which I had wanted to for some time. And also I got to see Mike Spaldi. And the education that they're providing to people is, it's world-class you know it's it's basically like university level education and just in the short time that I've been working with them I've learned a lot one of the main things I've learned is the arch you know horses have an arch uh, and a lot of what we end up seeing in lameness what people call a thin-soled horse is actually a horse that has a collapsed arch you know the corium is crushed and one of the great things that Epona does is they provide this procedure by which you can support the arch using DIM. They made kind of their own version of DIM, uh, dental impression material. You know, dental impression material, if you rolled it up in a ball and kind of threw it on the ground, it would just splat, which is, you know, it's great for what it can provide some horses. But horses with these collapsed arches really need, they need you to basically create a whole new foot for them and one of the things that their dim does is that if you roll it up in a ball it bounces so it has this quality that gives the horse this spring you know and then you add with that the shoe itself with the different polymers that are in the the shoe itself that mimic the keratin of the foot and i've just seen i you know i've seen some horses that ann has worked with in particular 
that went from being, you know, seriously lame to in a Epona shoe walking out very comfortably. That using the packing material, you can kind of see the bone alignment, uh, you know, the foot raising up, and you can also see that they start to create their own arch again because um, they have the support. They're not continuously crushing it under their own weight. So that that's definitely been one of the things that has been most impressive to me with them. And then just the education I'm getting. I feel like every time I go to Epona, my brain explodes. I just, it's so there's something new that I learn from them. And I, and then I'm able to go out into the field and apply it to my own clients. So that's, that's been one of the main things with Epona that I've liked a lot. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.